Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensley. Okay, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you that you speak to my life, that you minister to my heart, that you reveal your word to me today in a way that I will understand it, so that I can declare it and proclaim it and do it and see it change my life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at the secret to a life of miracles. And I really, if you haven't gotten this series, I'm going to ask you to go through it. Because we've mainly been looking at the words of Jesus. Today we're going to look at the words of the Apostle Peter. But what I want to tell you is that God wants you to live a supernatural life. And right now in the face of a pandemic and all of the things that are going on in the world, you have an opportunity like never before to live a life where you see the miracles of God. When you're facing death in the face... That is when you have the opportunity to see God come through for you in a supernatural way. And I've seen it in so many ways in the last year. And I'm not even telling you that I've been perfect. I haven't been perfect. But the grace of God has been there. And um, through all of this stuff, He has sustained us. He has looked after us. The country, South Africa, should have fallen apart with with the blows that the country has seen. All sorts of blows in economics, in the political sphere, in the health sphere with the virus and all of these sorts of things. This country has taken so many punches. And yet all I've seen is the resilience of the people come up again and again. And I believe that it's the power of God that has sustained us through all of this. And so today's sermon is entitled, We're Approaching the End of All Things. And maybe you're thinking, well, what a title when you've just said what you've just said. Well, last week we looked at, are you afraid to lose it all? And just to remind you, we spoke about the fact that surrender to the Lord leads through the the doorway to eternity. So when you surrender to Jesus, that leads you through the doorway to eternity. And then we looked at, make sure you hold on to something that you will keep. Matthew 16 verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you're trying to hold on to your life, Jesus says he has a guarantee. You will lose it. But if you're willing to surrender and give your life over to me for my sake, for the the sake of my cause, you will find it. If you're afraid of COVID, surrender to Jesus. What can be worse? Do yourself a favor. Give your life to Jesus. And then Jesus asks you the question, what can be more valuable than your soul? Matthew 16, 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, I remember many years ago, my brother lent us a series of DVDs that um, it was called They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll. And I remember in that, in that, in that series of videos, which now you can find online, by the way. They, they, they spoke about all of these artists, many of them which were household names when I was growing up. And now a number of them had actually literally sold their souls to the devil in order to become famous. What is your soul worth? Your soul is worth infinitely more than everything that this world has to offer. Alright, and and I just want to remind you of some thoughts from last week. If you're living for this world, you will lose your soul. If you're living for this world, 
If you're living for your sexuality, sorry, you will lose your soul. If you're living for your money, you will lose your soul. If you're living for your soulmate, you will lose your soul. And so Proverbs 4.26, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. The best path to be on is the pathway of Jesus. As Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, God says this about you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You are a prophet to the nations. Now today, we're approaching the end of all things. And I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 to 11. He says this, since we are approaching the end of all things. Now Peter said this already in the New Testament. And I want to tell you that that's as true then as it is today. We are approaching the end of all things. So since we're doing that, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Given to prayer means you give everything to prayer. Prayer is your everything. When there's problems, when you're stressed, when you're anxious, when any of those things happen, the first place you go to is your knees with your hands folded like this, praying to Almighty God because that's where the solution is. But to be given to prayer, you've got to be intentional about your whole life. You've got to be purposeful. You've got to be full of purpose and you've got to be self-controlled because the devil's going to come with many distractions. Above all, Constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. In other words, there's no place for xenophobia. There's no place for looking down on people that are outside the church. Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. The grace that God has given you, He's given you stewardship over. The gifts that He's given you, He's given you stewardship over. So God wants you to carry it faithfully. And then it says, for example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God was speaking His words through you. Don't give your own opinion. Speak the word. Speak the word. That's what he's saying. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever through all ages. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. I want to show you this video from John Lennox. And uh, it's entitled, My Lost Words to the World. John Lennox is a scientist. He's a mathematician. And this is what he has to say. Let's have a look. We know that our children are at the bottom. Our lives rush past. We've become fixated on digital equipment that's robbing us of time. Uh, people say to me they've no time. They've loads of time. If you want to know how much time you've got, just ask yourself a simple question. How much time have I spent in the last week fiddling with a piece of digital equipment and doing things that have no relevance whatsoever to my profession or my life. And then say, have I got any time? We're robbing ourselves of the most important thing in life if we're Christians. And that is seeking fellowship with God through his word. 
you will never make any impact on this world by reading the Bible for five minutes before you jump into bed. And I'm brutally practical. You husbands will never make any impact on the world if you're not praying with your wives and leading your families spiritually. You just won't. It's not possible to develop a deep relationship within a family that is not triangular. That is, it doesn't include Jesus Christ at one corner. And we can seek to repent of these things and really begin to make time so that in that sense we get to know God. I used to think that science and all of these arguments were much more interesting than the Bible. And I discussed it with my mentor, David Gooding, and he said, would you like to do a Bible study? And he invited me to do one. One night transformed my life, completely in Cambridge, where I, for the very first time, I met a person that took scripture seriously and just stood with it. We put it up in reversed wallpaper, pinned up to a wall, and he entered a, a dialogue with Matthew and it was just mind-blowing how he began to open the treasures of Scripture. But it takes input and work. Many of you people are professional. Think of the work you had to do to get to where you are. Now, if God has given you that kind of mind, how much of it are you using on him? And what worries me, silly, is people who rise in their professional career like that, but their knowledge of Scripture remains on a basic baby Sunday school level. So the moment their peers raise any questions, they instantly detect they've not thought it through. And that silences them, often forever, sadly. So it's, it's a clarion call, and I think it is a way of pushing against this tide of mediocrity, where we don't take God's word seriously. So what that tells me when I find it in my own heart is I don't really love God. All this talk about going to heaven and going to meet with Christ, if that happened to you now, what would you say to him? What would you talk about? It is very serious stuff. C.S. Lewis says all the leaves of the New Testament rustle with an expectation of eternity. And if we've never sensed that, the Word of God is given to us to make eternal things real. And we need to spend time immersed in it, perfectly reading it with other people and alone. I had a very close friend at Cambridge. And years ago, we agreed that whoever died first, the other remaining person would preach at the funeral. He thought I would die first because I was quite a bit older. But I never forget the day when he called me and with tears in his eyes he said, I've got a tumor as big as a grapefruit in here and that's going to be it. You'll have to take my funeral. I said to him, what shall I say? Without hesitation he said this. He said, tell them to do what we did as students in Cambridge. To pour over the word of God prayerfully and wait on God 
until his face appears. And he added then, he said, and then they will have something to say. Do you want something to say? Your pastor, teacher, Sunday school. If you want something to say, there is no shortcut. And I'll never forget those essentially last words to the world and I've repeated them many times. That was what transformed me. It wasn't reading all the philosophy in the world, although I love it and find it interesting. And it's a way of building bridges and dealing with difficulties. But in the end, unless God is real through his word, we're, we're missing the central fellowship that he offers us. So thank you very much and God bless you all. So where are you spending your time? I want to tell you that when I looked at this video, if you have experienced the power of Scripture, you know exactly what he's talking about. There is nothing as interesting as the Bible, so where are you spending your time? You know, one of the things that I found, even watching Christian videos all the time on YouTube, is no substitute for reading the Bible. Where are you spending your time? On Facebook? What the Lord's encouraging you to do is to give your life to the Lord because time is short. You don't have forever. So my question to you today, do you realize that we're approaching the end of all things? In 1 Peter 4 verse 7a, but the end of all things is at hand. Now the previous translation that I read from was the Passion Translation. This is now from the New King James. The end of all things is at hand. In other words, it's near. We are living in the last age. The kingdom of God is already here on earth. It was brought here by Jesus. Jesus left the kingdom here with the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven. And the reality for you and the reality for me and the reality for all of us is how much time you've got left. You don't have forever left. You have a limited number of days left in this life. And this limited life that you've got here on this earth is going to determine so much about where and how you spend eternity. And I want to tell you this, especially for people that are young. When you get the twilight of your life, regret will flow like a river if you don't live for his cause. You see, you can make all the money in the world. It means nothing when you get the twilight of your life if you don't fulfill the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ while you're on earth. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you work in the courtroom. I've seen Mukweng Mokhaneng take an absolute pounding, living for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, being the Chief Justice of South Africa. And you know, living for that cause, he's been placed on special leave. They say, oh, it's a normal thing. They talk twak. I've seen him take a pounding for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times people have mocked the book of Revelation. They've mocked Christians who speak about the end time. They've mocked what the book of Revelation speaks about when it speaks about the mark of the beast. That without the mark of the beast you will not be able to buy or sell. Hmm. And then you just listen to talkers going on around vaccine passports. 
and there are people who are begging for vaccine passports. Because I don't want to go to checkers with you if you haven't been vaccinated. Now, the vaccine passports is not the mark of the beast yet. But if you look at that, how easy would it be in our day and age to introduce a mark of the beast where you cannot buy or sell without your allegiance to the Antichrist? We're living in an age where we can see how there could be a single world government, how one Antichrist could rule the world. You can see how it can happen today. Man, 2020 and 2021 has proved this to us beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so time is short. So be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you will be given to pray. 1 Peter 4 verse 7b. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful. Be serious about your prayer. Be serious about the fact that you're entering into a supernatural conversation with Almighty God when you pray. Seriously believe that. And watchful. Where you're watching for what God's got to say to you. No matter how many years you have left, your days are numbered. No matter how many days the earth has left, its days are numbered. And when God does come back, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be like that. It's going to be even more sudden than the lockdowns of 2020 were. You know, the lockdowns took about a month to happen. Within a month, the world went from totally normal to totally locked down. When God comes back, it's going to be way quicker than a month. And so you need to make maximum use of your life. You've got to make maximum use of every minute. Take the Lord seriously. And be purposeful in everything that you do. Be given to prayer. That the first place you go to when you have a problem is the prayer closet. Let your faith be that strong that you're convicted and convinced that that is the place that you need to go to. And then when you do that, you'll be able to control yourself. You know, most people don't control yourself, themselves. You know that most people cannot control themselves. Because self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control comes when you're given over to the Holy Spirit. And above all, Constantly echo God's intense love for one another. Constantly echo that love. The voice of God is going out to the world. The love of God is going out to the world. The love of God is going out to everyone who's in the active church. Every one of us need to be echoing that love. So God shouts, love, and all of us shout, love, 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 that it just keeps sustaining and constantly rings out from our lives, from our church, from our cell groups, from everywhere to the world around us. 1 Peter 4 verse 8a, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. So who must you have a fervent love for? The people in your family. The people in your church family. There must be an intensity in our love for one another. Why? When there's an intensity in our love for one another, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, then the world will know that we follow him. They will know that we're his disciples. God's love 
is so intense that Christ was brutalized for us on the cross. He was smashed up and mashed up and beaten up. And every conceivable thing on the face of the planet was done to him. And through that, the love of God was made manifest to us. It was made known to us. The command for love is important. It's so important that when Peter speaks about it, he says, above all things. Above all things. Above all things. Therefore, above your priorities is love, the love of God. Above your hurt is the love of God. Above your pain is the love of God. Above your wounds is the love of God. If you are wounded, you cannot be for people what God wants you to be. The love of God has to be paramount. But in order for that love to be paramount, he has another reality. You have to be in a position whereby you're healed, you're restored, you're made whole. And in order for that to happen, you've got to apply the blood of restoration. You know the blood that was shed when they took a spear and they shoved it into the side of Jesus. And the Bible says that blood and water flowed. You know that moment where Jesus shed every last drop of his blood for you and I. Every last inch of his life poured out onto the ground for us. At a time where Jesus' heart exploded with pain. Exploded because of rejection. Was destroyed completely and utterly. So that when our hearts are broken we can be restored. It is important for you to understand that the, the people who hurt you are merely human. But that God in heaven is your father. Even if it's your father that hurt you, God in heaven is a perfect father. Do not put what your earthly father may have done on the father in heaven. Because he will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never harm you. He will never abandon you. In Psalm 27 verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me. But the Lord will take me up. You know, in a time like this, whether it's because you're sick, whether it's because we're locked down, whether it's because of so many things that are going on, you can feel like you're all alone. You can feel like everyone has abandoned you. But there's a promise there. If you will put your faith in Him, the Lord will take you up. The Lord will take you up. The Lord will lift you up. He will raise you up out of the ashes. He will make you victorious. He will make you an overcomer. Why? Because Jesus was rejected for us. Jesus was rejected for us. He was rejected for us because of his love for us. And Jesus suffered all kinds of rejection throughout his life for us. For us. If you say no one loves you. You're committing a huge injustice to what Jesus did on the cross for you. Jesus himself was rejected shortly after his birth. He was rejected so much so that King Herod, the king, the president Cyril Ramaphosa of Jesus' day, got the whole army and the whole police force and correctional services and all of the gangs and everyone that had a weapon. They went after Jesus before he was two years of age. He ended up killing every boy in the town where Jesus' parents came from. 
Every boy there was killed under the age of two so that Herod could try and get Jesus. How much are you rejected if your president wants to kill you? He was rejected by the Jews. By his own people. Some of you have heard me say this before. You know, we complain so much about racism. But you know what's, what's worse than someone of another race rejecting you because of your race? It's when your own people reject you. It's when your own family rejects you. The very people who should know who you are, they reject you. The very people who should understand you. The very people who should have knowledge of you, when they reject you. There's nothing worse than that. In John 1 verse 11 it says, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So Jesus was rejected by his own. And he was rejected by his heavenly father. (laughs) Okay, guys, I want you to think about that for a second. God the Father, the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, rejected Jesus. This was the moment of the greatest pain in Jesus' life, when his father abandoned him. He felt the pain when his father turned his back on him. And he let out a most heartfelt cry of anguish. Which, these words were predicted in Psalm 22 verse 1a. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Imagine if you've had perfect communion with your father, your entire existence. Before the beginning of creation, you were there in perfect communion with the father. You've been in perfect communion with the Father in eternity beyond the parameters of time and now you're hanging on a cross stuck in time nailed to a cross all your blood coming out and you reach out to your Father and He isn't there to such an extent you're no longer for the first time and the last time in history you don't call Him Father you call Him God Imagine you're shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time ever, he's totally alone. Imagine that rejection. The reason that Jesus had to be rejected was that you and I could be accepted by the unconditional love of God. He was rejected in your place. And so I want you to think about your life right now. If you have experienced great pain in your heart, or if you've ever felt rejected, I would like to invite you to pray to apply the blood of Jesus that he shed from his side over your life. Because this blood is living proof that you were always loved and wanted by God. How much must God the Father have loved you to have watched his son, who was a part of himself, go through that for you? You know, this is why I tell you when you pray, You need to ask God to give you a revelation in that time when you're praying there in the morning of what Jesus went through for you on the cross. Because until you experience that, you don't know the love of God for you. You don't know how much God loves you. And I want you to understand that just one drop of that blood has the power to absorb all rejection. to to, to, To absorb it and to destroy it right out of your life. 
and bring a love explosion into your life so that you can enjoy the blessing of being a child of God. When Apostle Peter says that above all else, love, you cannot love if you're wounded. You've got to be restored. Some of you have been trying to love and you can't because you're wounded. You've got to be restored. And it doesn't help to know it here. Knowing it here means nothing. You've got to be restored in your soul, in your heart. Restored. If the faith is not working for you, it's because you're not restored. You've got to be restored. I've had people over many years fighting with me, thinking I'm the enemy. Over many years. And at first I used to get upset with him. Many years ago, it used to take me down and then I realized they have to be restored. I just wish it never took me more than 10 years to to realize this. People fight with you because they're broken. And it's not like, oh, oh, Calvin, you're just fighting with me because you're broken. No, that's not it. The issue is, how did Jesus cry out while they're nailing him to the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, I used to think about how hard that was. No, no. Jesus had real compassion for them. First of all, when he cried out, he knew if these guys don't get saved, the punishment that they're going to suffer for eternity is so bad, they actually have no clue. And so he's crying out to the Father to have mercy because he's dying for them. The very guys that are going, bam, bam, bam. He's dying for them. When you get to the place, when you can see into eternity like that, doesn't matter what the person's doing to you. They're not your enemy. This is what the Apostle Paul said. You're not fighting flesh and blood. But principalities and powers of this dark world. That's what you're fighting. The person's not the issue. You need to see the person through God's eyes. But you can only have a revelation of that when you've been restored. When you've been made whole. Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19 talks about this love explosion. And this is the Apostle Paul where he's praying for them. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. How does Jesus live in your heart? Through your faith. Through you trusting him. Through you believing in him. And that you, yes, you, being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded is like you're a tree that's planted there. You're rooted and you're grounded in love. May be able to comprehend So in other words, something may be known to you. You may understand something. You can actually work it out. So that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know, to know it. To know what? To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. The love of Jesus is so big. You can't know it with your brain. It surpasses knowledge. You have to experience it. 
Why? And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the goodness, or so to all the fullness of God. <laughs> Think about those words, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Today, I want to remind you of Romans 10 verse 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to say to you today, right now, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the first question. If you don't, Right there in your home where you're watching, I'm going to come ask you, first of all, to come and kneel before the screen right now. This place is an altar. It's an altar for you right now. And also, I want to ask you to send an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That's info at theactivechurch.org and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. Or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus today. But secondly, even if you believe that you're saved, today I want to add this to you. If you need to know the goodness of God, if you've been saved and your heart is broken, your heart is wounded, I want to, I want to ask you to come kneel at the, at the screen right now as well. Right now. Right now. Because Jesus needs your restoration. And I'm going to ask those, if there's anyone here, and you're needing that, come and kneel right now. There's hardly anyone here, so no one might come. But if anyone here does need to come, please come and kneel right now. And do not be proud about it. Wherever you are, do not be proud about it. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Today your eternal destiny is at stake. This thing cannot wait. It cannot wait. It cannot wait. Don't say I'm going to wait until later. You might not make it till later. This place right now is the altar of God. Don't think you're going to have a more favorable time to pray later. Come now. Those of you that need your hearts restored, even you, I want you to send an email afterwards to infoactivechurch.org. Or you can just comment on this video. But even if you're listening to the audio afterwards or you're listening to audio live, you send that email. Because if you're doing that, what you're doing is you're replying to God right now. And you're saying, this is the time I desperately need you and I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. I realize that the wounds that I still have are because I have never submitted my life completely to you. I want to do that right now. I can't wait until later because I don't know if I'm going to make it. And so, Lord, I'm desperate for you. And, Lord, I want that love to be above everything else in my life. I want the knowledge of you to be above everything else in my life. I want to feel whole. I don't just want to be okay on the outside. I want to feel like I'm whole. I want to commit to you and I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to be close to you. 
from this day forward. So close that I can feel you walking with me every step of the way. So that when death comes knocking on my door, I will not be afraid because I know that you will walk with me through that doorway, that even through the doorway of death, I will not walk there alone. And I'll get to the other side and see you, and I will see your glory. And so my death won't even affect me. And so now, right now, right now, come and kneel before the screen. And if there's anyone here and you feel you need to be restored, right here, even here, just there's only a few of us, come and kneel. I'm waiting for you to kneel. Jesus, I pray that you're just touching people right now. That you'll just be leaping out of the screen at them right now. I sense the Lord is saying some of you are afraid to do it. Even if you're watching this outside of the live broadcast. Just kneel. There's even people here that are kneeling. So please, you're not alone. This is part of the team that's putting on the broadcast. That's why they're here. I want to encourage you to come as well. Because God wants to restore you right now. And you've got to put your complete and utter trust in Him. You've got to believe the word totally and utterly and completely. Without reservation. You've got to accept everything God says without question. You've got to take your mind and place it under submission to Him. Even in terms of what you understand. He will restore you. That's what faith is. I haven't arrived. Exactly. Come forward. Kneel. And send that email. I just feel I need to ask once more. Because I feel some of you that are watching. You're afraid to kneel. There are people kneeling here right now. You're not alone. It doesn't matter if you worry about what the people who might be sitting in the lounge with you are thinking. It doesn't matter. And if you're listening, maybe you're in a taxi. Maybe you're working, whatever. Just put your right hand on your heart. I know it's a bit difficult to kneel there. But if you can, kneel. Don't worry about what people around you are going to think. Just do it right now. We're going to quickly pray two prayers. I'm going to ask you right now to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I repent of everything that I've done wrong. Lord, I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. Because I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And I ask that the blood of your wounded body Wash me today of all rebellion and all sin. I declare that by the blood of restoration, my heart is restored. I know your love. I'm experiencing your love right now. I'm being made whole. And the fruit of your Holy Spirit will be evident in my life from today on. I am free, Lord. And so I also ask you to set me free from any sickness and pain. Because I believe my debt has been paid. I have no outstanding balance with you. 
because of the blood of your son, Jesus. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary, Jesus. And I, and I declare, and I believe, that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as though I'd never sinned. And I believe that by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. I am willing to serve you because I am whole. And so today I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.